Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the call company. It's legend by design. You go to legendarygearusa.com. It's legendarygearusa.com. Folks, one of the great things uh, being part of the hunting industry and in all the years that, that I've been into this industry is, is the relationships and the people you get to meet and those you get to call friends. And this week, uh, this this week's guest, I'm excited to have on here. I finally got to meet him at the Rogers Sporting Goods at a waterfowl event. In fact, we even did an interview with him. And and uh, so, doing a little background on this guy, I'm writing down uh, you know things he's accomplished. And holy mackerel, guys! I mean, it's like two sheets, and I had to sharpen my pencil twice. I mean, <laughs> he's he's done a lot, and. Uh, I'm very excited to uh, introduce uh, Layden Force. Layden, welcome to uh, our podcast, and, and we're, we're honored to have you on, buddy. Oh, man, well, I appreciate it, George. I've, I've been looking forward to this, and, you know, when you reached out, I, I uh, was very thankful that you gave me a shout and said, hey, would you mind joining me, and, and was looking forward to it. I know that you you are a busy man yourself, and you got a lot going on, and this is one of the new things that you have going on that uh, seems to be going very well, so it's a, it's a true privilege to be a guest here today. Well, thank you, buddy. I started writing some of this down. Folks, listen to this. We got publisher and producer TV, North American Whitetail, one of my favorites, publisher at Gundog Magazine, publisher at Wildfowl Magazine, one of my favorites, former sales at Remington Arms, outdoor sportsman group, uh, Peterson's Bow Hunting, which was a great, former sales manager for Bowtech, great bows, and the former sales manager at Carl Zeiss Sports Optic. You're married with three children, three boys. I mean, dude, that is quite the uh, the resume there. Uh, can you give us, uh, our folks, a little your background and, you know, how you started growing up and, and then hunting and how you got into all this? Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Um, when you lay it out like that, it, it starts to, to add up a little bit. But uh, it seems like all of it started just ye- yesterday, you know, and we've just moved right through it kind of on a, on a whim. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, grew up in, in Missouri for the most part, um, really in the, the corner, the northeast corner of Missouri uh, on a family farm. My grandfather and great, uh, great-grandfather on my maternal side um, started a black Angus farm and row cropping farm here back in the late 60s and um, had worked that farm right up into the 90s uh, when my great-grandfather passed away, early 90s. And and um, Grandpa had a, a son, had two older daughters that had already moved away from home and had a son that was on his way to, to college. And at that point in time, couldn't tell, couldn't tell my Grandpa for sure whether or not he uh, was going to be able to return home uh, to work the family farm and, you know, didn't know if he had interest or, or even, uh, would have the ability depending on his career path that he took. And so grandpa kind of got out of the, the farming business and, and started cash running most of our ground, but, you know, was lucky enough that, you know, my great grandfather and him had worked hard and had paid most of the farm off at that point in time and, and, uh, it stayed in the family. And so I, I had the privilege as of the late nineties to move back to this area, mid nineties to move back to the area with my mother and stepfather and, and siblings. And we spent the majority of my, my young life growing up right there on the family farm. And, um, I'd already cut my fish on or cut my teeth on fishing and hunting and loved both with, uh, with, you know, a great level of passion and also loved to come, uh, compete in athletics. And those were the two things that I really liked to do as a boy growing up. And, um, you know, the, the hunting side of it, I was a consumer of 
options like Monster Bucks from Realtree and, you know, road trips from, from Michael Waddell, Mr. Waddell, and and uh, the Drury's, which were Missouri boys as well, and, and uh, you know, just consumed and, and tried to hunt and pursue and catch every fish that, you know, I could or, or every game animal that I could um, growing up. And, and always thought, even going into college when I when I focused my, my undergrad uh, on athletic training, that I'd probably end up working in the sports industry. Um, just had a great passion for it and um, always thought, you know, as the outdoor industry is kind of a pipe dream and didn't think that I'd really have an opportunity. So really focused more so on, on the athletic side and, and fitness and health and, and uh, got, into, got into college two years deep and was playing football uh, and running track uh, collegiately and yeah. trying to be an athletic trainer at the same time. And um, it unfortunately just hit a point where I wasn't going to be able to, to achieve getting all my clinicals um, in, in a four year period or five year period, I was actually going to be on a six year program and not the, you know, the usual six year program that a lot of, a lot of young men talk about. Um, I was just going to have to stay there in my undergrad program because of the fact that I was a two sport athlete to get my, my clinicals in, uh, because you had to spend a good amount of time. And so at that point I decided, Hey, I think it's probably smart for me to change my, my path educationally and, and I uh, came from a family of, of salesmen and, and business um, entrepreneurs and, you know, had heard many people within my family talk about how versatile a business degree was. And uh, at that point in time, I, I started to look outside of the, the sports or sports medicine industry. And, and, you know, the first thing that came to mind, still being very passionate about the outdoors and, and getting into bow hunting and, and still doing quite a bit of waterfowl hunting, um, that, Hey, maybe, maybe there's, this is the time that I start to look at the outdoor industry. And, you know, it, it's funny how things just kind of come together, but, um, I was in a little bit of free time starting to shoot competitively in archery and was having some success and, uh, had been invited to join my first pro staff, which was Ross archery, um, yeah. a Missouri based boat, bow manufacturer Andy Ross. Yeah, out of, out of Kansas City, Andy Ross. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I had come across one of the salesmen at a bow shoot and uh, a real good guy, a guy that um, I ended up working with at Carl Weiss down the road. It's funny how small of a world it is, but um, he introduced me to the company and to the industry. And, you know, one thing after another, I, I got just kind of came along. I got the opportunity as a pro staff member to start working some of these events like a Rogers Sporting Goods um, tent sale or a Bass Pro uh, Classic and, and um, got on to several pro staffs and was trying to finish my undergrad. And, and uh, when I graduated um, from my undergrad, I had an opportunity to to go work with uh, a couple different companies. Um, I had a couple job offers, uh, but it was right in the middle of the recession. And um, it was just interesting times. Uh, so I, one thing led to another, I ended up accepting a position in the sales department with Remington. And the rest has just kind of been history uh, from there. Just put my nose down, worked hard and worked with great people and had great opportunities and um, have worked for great people and um, have just had the opportunity to work with great clients out in the industry, many of the dealers and distributors here in the Midwest and across the country. And um, man, it just seemed like anytime I kind of hit a hurdle, uh, another door would open and it was usually due to my relationships um, with folks like yourself or, or other, other people in the industry that, you know, it's just allowed for me to I guess now at the age of 37, say I've built a career in, in the industry and one that I hope to maintain until um, I don't 
have the ability anymore. So it's been been a crazy ride, and um, managed to convince a, a gal, my wife Jordan, to <laughs> marry me there in between and, and move. Quite back the salesman. Home. We're both from the area here. What's that? You're quite the salesman. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I definitely outkicked my coverage on that one, uh, for sure. That, that's probably my that's probably my single largest uh, sales success, no doubt about that. Well, you know what I like to hear, late yeah, what, what what I like to hear is that there's a lot of people out there, and it's had opportunities or had great people, mentors, and but uh, you know who have failed, and 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 then we're all going to fail. But what I like the key word you said that I've heard you say a few times in there and describing that you worked hard. You got back and you worked hard and you came from a family that it taught uh, strong work ethics. And that, I believe, is just a key to anybody's success because no matter who you are, whether you're Donald Trump or, you know, George Lynch, Laden Force, there's going to be failures. And I've always, one of my things I like to say is that failure leads to success. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the key word you keep talking and bringing up is that, you know, your, your strong work ethics. I, I like that. So tell me, what position did you play in football? In, in high school, I went to a small school right here in Northeast Missouri. So we just, we kind of played, we never really stepped off the field. We played offense, defense, <laughs> you know, you right. played special teams the whole bit. But um, I ended up going to college to play uh, defensive back. That's where I received most of my my accolades or, or honors there. And um, got recruited by a great coach there. And uh, a guy that really, you know, you're talking about work ethic, a guy that, that took me to another level in regards to work ethic. And uh, once I arrived, we had some injuries there on our, on our offensive side of the ball, and um, I got an opportunity to transition over and, and play offensive uh, or play on the offensive side as a wide receiver um, there just in my freshman year. So it was a real unique opportunity, and, and that's where I ended it. Played a little bit of special teams. I definitely missed the contact. You, you don't have as much of that as a wide receiver as you do on the opposite side of the ball as a safety. Uh, but, yeah, that's played, played wide receiver in the end. Yeah. What did uh, you do in track? Uh, ran the 400. I was a sprinter, um, so I ran 400 and 200 and did a little jumping, but I, I wasn't as competitive as I needed to be when I got the, the, the collegiate level in well, the jumping area. So One thing I can tell you, buddy, you and I might whitetail and waterfowl hunt together, but we'll never bear hunt together because my partner, when I bear hunt, has to be <laughs> slower than me. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, a good strategy when you get the bear witch. <laughs> So, you know, talk about... You don't have to be the fastest, you just can't be the slowest. That's exactly right. I just got to be one step faster than you. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. how did the North American whitetail and the waterfowl, uh, wildfowl come about? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, man, it's been six years ago now. Um, I was uh, working for Botech at the time and... and um, went on a media hunt and met a gentleman that is now working uh, with the meat eater brand, Tony Peterson, uh, which at that point in time was the equipment editor for Bow Hunter magazine. And we had just a, a great time. We were turkey hunting in Kansas and uh, he and I shared passion for bow hunting and um, for, well, I'd say general big game bow hunting. And, and then, you know, we talked about waterfowl hunting and how we cut our teeth on uh, bird hunting as boys and, uh, behind you know grandpa or dad's pointers or, or Brittany and it just had this this great time there in Kansas and uh, we both got home the week after and, and Tony called me back and said hey there's an opening over at the outdoor sportsman group uh, for an associate publisher's position 
uh, within Bow Hunter and Bow Hunting Magazine. And he said, it's evident that you love to bow hunt. And so um, he said, if you don't mind, I'd like to refer you for the position. And, and I said, sure. You know, and so one thing led to another. I went through a couple interviews and I ended up over at the Outdoor Sportsman Group and um, worked there within the bow books for about a year and a half. And the publisher at North American Whitetail, Gundog and Wildfowl, Tom Weaver, announced at that point in time that he was going to retire in about 12 to 18 months and said, hey, I'd, I'd like to give the company a little time and I'm looking for a predecessor um, that could roll in. And so the, the company gave me a shout and said, hey, would you be interested? And, you know, you'd have an opportunity to kind of climb the ranks a little bit, uh, probably a little uh, early than, than what others would, would have just because of how the doors were opening and um, moved over to North American Whitetail, Gundog and Wildfowl and, and had the opportunity to work under Tom Weaver and and learn a lot from him tom was a, a long time publisher in the business uh, specifically in the outdoor publications arena and had worked with um, publications from the northeast for quite some time before he came to outdoor sportsman group and and i ended up here and uh, just had a real good opportunity to work under tom for about 12 months before his retirement and, and then uh, as he retired the company offered me the opportunity to move up into the publisher's role and and I've been here now for three years, believe it or not. It's gone very quickly. And, uh, man, just have had a great time and worked with some great people, some highly motivated and, and well-educated and, you know, legacy folks like like Gordon Whittington or Rick Van Etten at Gundog and, um, you know, Skip Knowles that's been at Wildfowl for quite some time. and then He's been there a long really, time. Yeah. Really motivated. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he's been here for over 10 years now, believe it or not. And, um actually pushing 15 at this point um so it's it's been cool it's been really neat to get here it's been just such an opportunity to work with the people that have been here and that you know even since i've been working uh with these three titles in my last four four and a half years um have moved on like rick uh being you know fully retired now from gundog and gordon is still the editor emeritus at, at north american whitetail but he's kind of moved on in some regards or capacity and I'm now getting to work with very talented young editor-in-chiefs or brand directors like um, Callie Parmley at Gundog and, and Haynes Shelton at North American Whitetail that you know are both destined for success. They're already starting to achieve many things in their own regards with their leadership at these titles as young editor-in-chiefs and, and brand directors. And I, you know, I think that the future is very promising for both those individuals and, and our staffs that we've built together and um, you know, where they're headed in the future uh, with these brands. So we're pretty exciting times and a real opportunity to be working here with these individuals. Well, I've been watching North American Whitetail, man, for a long time and, and always loved it. That's one of those that uh, your DVR or whatever you wanted. So I knew when that show came on. And I will say today, buddy, I think the show is about as best it's ever been today with the talent and everything you guys are doing and doing a great job. I happened to meet Gordon about ah gosh i can't remember three or four years ago at my first ata with when i was there um and you know i i recognized him when i saw him go by and of course i i left the booth and came right out just to introduce myself and here you know somebody that he's never met we sat and had a conversation stood for about 20 30 minutes having a conversation and talked to me like i was a guy that he's known his whole life and and uh just yep. a true gentleman of a gentleman in the term, you know, what a gentleman is and what a great guy. And, yep. uh, you know, and it's, um, there's a lot of great stuff going on. And let me ask you this. Um, 
Tell me, how is the season of waterfowl and, and whitetail look for Layden when it comes to hunting season? Man, you got you got to be, you know, as I was telling my wife earlier, I said, can you imagine this guy's schedule? I said, just doing one and trying to film. And let, yeah. let's get it clear for the people. I've, you know, doing shows, and you've heard, I've heard a lot of guys come to me, man, I would love to do what you're doing. And yeah, I love what I do. But when it comes to, because I love whitetails and I love waterfowl and I love turkeys too, but I mean, I love doing it. It's a passion and going after a whitetail. It's, it's, yep. it's kind of, it's a personal waterfowl. It, it's a thing that I love, but whitetail's personal. And then, so you go out there and, and I had great experiences. I can focus, I concentrate, but people don't realize to kill a mature whitetail with one person being undetected is, is, is an accomplishment. But now when you're trying to film and you're putting a second guy in another tree stand, that's, it's, you know, it's dual trying to camouflage and conceal. It's dual scent. It's right. everything. And then when he comes in, it isn't just getting the shot. You got to get the shot. And it, it, yeah. it it's got it. The people don't realize it, it is a challenge. So, you know, I'd just like it, to hear what your yeah, year is. It's a, it's a, it, you're right. It, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. And it's one that I'm still learning, you know, with every hunt, every day that we spend out in the woods, how to manage. And, um, it's a, it's a great problem to have <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, trying to figure out how to, you know, best the mature animal and their, their skill set and their knowledge. And, you know, their, their sixth sense that we don't always talk about and doing it, you know, two X, it's a great problem to have. I, I could think of much worse problems to have, but, um, it has been a learning curve for me, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, I was starting to get to a point before I had this opportunity to be a part of, um, NAWTV, uh, where, you know, I, I was getting to maybe, I won't say ever the top of my game, but I was starting to, to really nail down kind of my strategy in the woods when it came to a stick and string or, or, you know, using a rifle and pursuing big white tails and, um, you know, then you kind of throw in the, the complexity of a, of a second person there and, um, it's, it's been fun. It's been a challenge and we're, you know, I feel like we're starting to catch our stride again, you know, myself personally, and then, um, working with new individuals, uh, on the, the, um, production side, field production side, we, we work with, and because North American Whitetail, for those that don't know, is a part of a much larger organization called the Outdoor Sportsman Group, which is, um, the, the parent company of not only North American Whitetail, but brands like, Hunter and Guns and Ammo and N Fisherman and Fly Fisherman and Peterson Hunting and in uh, Game and Fish, you know. So we have have 15 different flagship brands um, that exist within the portfolio, but we also have the three major outdoor networks as part of this company. So Outdoor Channel, Sportsman's Channel, and, and World Fishing Network, and uh, we share some resources as part of that business structure. And one of those resources is our production house, Wintercom. Um, so we don't always have the opportunity to work with, uh, let's say the same one or two videographers throughout the, the year, uh, because oftentimes they're getting pulled to go work maybe on a guns and ammo TV shoot or a handguns and defense TV shoot or a bow hunter or a fisherman shoot. And, you know, with the, the growing demands of the industry, a lot of digital video that we created, those 15 brands or the networks, um, you know, those, that, that camera crew, that production crew is going a lot of different directions. So I would say that that's an element that kind of gets thrown into um, the mix and that challenge is that, 
it's it's kind of hard to build. You know, we talked about team sports and athletics earlier, and just kind of my experience there. It's kind of hard to build that camaraderie or or you know stride that you achieve as a pair um, at times because might be working with you know an Adam Hansen, which is a, a very talented videographer that has joined our company in the last couple of years. One day, and then next day, I might be working with a Mike Emery or a Christian Hoffman, um, a couple guys that have been with the company a little bit longer, but. Uh, you kind of, you know, it, it's fun. It's it's a, a real unique and fun challenge, and um, it all comes down to you know besting the nose and and visual capabilities of, you know, a mature whitetail, uh, male or female for that matter. Um, some of the the most knowledgeable four-legged whitetail deer that I've seen out there running around the woods have been you know a mature doe that is the matriarch of her little social group and you know had more difficult situations trying to best her to try to get to a mature buck that's in her area than I have mature bucks in some situations. So it's, it's always a learning curve and it's fun and uh, enjoyable. Like I said earlier, it's a great problem to have, but it's definitely been uh, a challenge that I'm still learning on day to day for sure. And waterfalls, you know, you've got a lot more for forgiveness and and filming and and, in your setups and stuff. But like you said, that mature, especially when it gets to mature, he is a freak. And then you're absolutely right. There's probably been more mature does that saved the lives of mature bucks than you can count. Just as, yep. you know, they've had to take care of two to three fawns every year. And then they've learned after a while, yep. you know, they're not just thinking of their survival. They're thinking of the survival of their of their children or their offspring. So sure. absolutely. Yep. You know, I, I love the big buck spotlight, but I am. I can't got to tell you, I my favorite probably on there is Dr. James Kroll, his his segment. What a what a man oh, yeah. of knowledge. What a man of knowledge, huh? Oh, just a, a wealth of knowledge. And you know, you talked about Gordon earlier and your opportunity to meet him, George. And and Gordon is such a gentleman. And um, you know, Dr. James Kroll or Dr. Deer, as a lot of people know him, is is one and the same in that regard. They're both just you know guys that have have really earned their stripes as, as human beings in this industry, but also, you know, in their specialty categories within this industry. And, um, outside of just being good men, um, they, they are so intelligent, both of them. And, uh, you know, I, I often talk with Haynes because we get the the same comment that you laid out there, uh, about Gordon being a guy that talked to me, like I've known him my whole life or, or the same with Dr. Cole. And, um, you know, I, I, men of that level of intelligence it seems like uh, so many times you kind of get one of two type of people you could get an introvert um that really you know is more focused on you know their discipline and and their knowledge and and the science that they're they're building you know their their knowledge set on um they don't really like to to be you know a social person it's just not in them they're they're very focused on their discipline um, or you get the opposite, which is an extrovert, and they want to tell you how intelligent they are. Exactly. And, you know, one way or another, it can be hard to have a conversation uh, with guys that have the level of intelligence that Dr. Cole or, or you know, Gordon do. But both of those both of those fellows are just such great people, and they fall right in the middle of that spectrum. And uh, it's just so neat to be able to sit down and, and have a conversation with a guy like Doc that – you know, has been a teacher his whole life. He's been an educator, um, has been involved there at Stephen F. Austin University and has specialized for over 30 years, almost 40 years in the white-tailed deer. And that was after, a, you know, a career of pursuing uh, reptile studies in South America and living in the jungle for months at a time. And 
um, a couple other, uh, you know, species categories. So, you know, he's, he's not just been focused on whitetail, but has a diverse knowledge base. And, you know, I think that's one of the unique things outside of him being such a, a great educator and human being is that when you, when you sit down and really take in Dr. Cole's approach um, to how he is trying to educate, you know, our industry and others on, on the whitetail deer and their ecosystem, he looks at it very holistically. And he doesn't just talk about promoting, you know, uh, inches of antler on a whitetail. Um, he talks about the age and he talks about their ecosystem and he talks about far more than just, uh, you know, a cultivated forage source. He talks about their browse source, the native forage, how you can cultivate or supplement native forage and, um, and really build a, a great year round resource, uh, or habitat and forage source for whitetail deer. And so I, to hear you say what you did about Dr. Crow and saying that that's your favorite segment, I, I wish we had an hour for each one of those segments because Absolutely. trying to cut down into five minutes what what Dr. Cole could share with you, um, it, it, you know, it, into that five minute segment, it is just near impossible uh, to work with our edit, you know, our post production and edit team to to grab and even to to shape it before you know when Haynes and I sit down and we work with Dr. Wright, um, the scripts for those segments as we get into them man, it'd be so easy for us to go down five different roads and then circle back around, <laughs> you know, and it's a, it's a chore to get it all, uh, I would say fit into that little five minute box, um, because he just such a knowledgeable guy and uh, looks at it, you know, from a, you know, more of a three dimensional type point of view than a, a one dimensional point of view, you know? And so it's, I wish we could share so much more with the viewer and we're finding ways now with, with digital and social and we just, just finalized a, a big 30 part video series that we're going to be shooting with doc for North American whitetail.com um, where he's going to take a deeper dive into uh, a lot of these topics that we're addressing on the show, um, you know, and, and give the opportunity for people to consume that, that content because we want, we want them to have access to that same content that we get to, you know, get to experience as we're out in the field working with doc and, just a, a real asset and a real, real resource there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that as it comes to fruition here late in the year. Well, cool. Let me ask you this, and we're going to go waterfowl and we're going to go whitetail. So waterfowl, where is probably one of your uh-huh. uh, favorite states to water? And of course, Missouri, you know, if there's one state in yeah. the country that is probably one of the best states for overall hunting is Missouri. So you grew up there and you know that, but what is probably yep. one of your best waterfowl hunts and one of the best states you've hunted in? Man, I think uh, one of the most unique experiences, and this is probably cliche, outside of Missouri, um, when it comes to waterfowl, uh, was Arkansas hunting Stuttgart area, flooded timber. Um, I got invited in when I worked with Remington to uh, a very traditional uh, duck camp down there and, and got to spend a couple days um, hunting the flooded timber. And, you know, it, it, the hunting was phenomenal, um, but it, it was so much more than that. You know, getting to come into the the cabin there um, on the lease with, you know, a group of men that had worked their lives to build that that certain spot, you know, that, that certain lease together. And then to have, a, you know, just a family aspect, uh, even though they're all friends, you know, they're, they're more or less family as we know how that can go when it comes to hunting camps. But to be brought into their tradition and their culture and to really experience what Stuttgart was founded on and, and how it operates down there, I, I had a really neat experience there. And it's probably been, you know, to date, one of my top five 
hunting opportunities outside the state. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm still just a, a good sucker for uh, the pill line at Fountain Grove or Eagle Bluffs, you know, here in, in Missouri along the, the Missouri River. Um, grew up hunting both those as a, as a young man with my friends and family members. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's something, again, the environment that surrounds that opportunity getting up or, or maybe not even going to bed and leaving home here and driving an hour and a half at, at midnight to, to land down at uh, Fountain Grove there south south of Minden and and uh, go in and start drinking coffee about two with everybody that has been hunting that, you know, that pill line for the last month or depending on what part of the season you're in and hear all the stories and duck hunting or otherwise. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty neat. You know, it, it pulls a lot of heartstrings and soul strings for me. Uh, when it comes to waterfowl hunting, for sure. Have you done more duck hunting than you have Canada goose? You know, um, I started out doing quite a bit of goose hunting as a boy and uh, then got heavier into the duck hunting as I got into high school and and college and then kind of finished my college years doing a lot more field hunting for for Canada's. Um, So I've done a pretty good mix. I'd say if you were to go back and, and kind of run a tally sheet, I'd be pretty close on yeah. both um but i man I, I, unfortunately as you start to kind of allude to here recently it, it's pretty difficult to pull it all off um in the fall for me and i don't dedicate near as enough near enough time to to getting out and and uh, waterfowl hunting in the fall as i used to but uh, i've got three little boys now and they're they just they're kind of you know i see a lot of resemblance between a young me and them um and i'm sure some of it's genetic or instinctual but we're trying to get as much of it as we can in now, uh, when time allows. So I see us doing a lot more waterfowl hunting here in the next five years for sure. Well, we'll have to do a, a goose hunt or duck hunt together. We'll, we'll educate your boys. That'd be we'll, great, man. we'll put we'll put feet in their face for them, as the speak. So uh, there you go. Well, they go ahead, buddy. Oh, oh I just say that would be a, a real opportunity for them. They'd be they'd be real lucky to have that opportunity. What's uh, so your favorite state to whitetail hunt? Man, um, if if Haynes and and uh, Blake listen to this, they're from the Whitetail staff. They'll laugh, but uh, because uh, they could have told you exactly what I what I'm about to tell you. Um, there are some real opportunities in the Midwest, whether it be you know Missouri, Kansas, or or Iowa, um, that offer just true Whitetail opportunity that I would say most people visualize. But me personally, I love to hunt the Plain States. I love to get out west into um, you know, Western South Dakota or North Dakota, uh, maybe even Eastern Montana and get up into those big drainages and, and flat country with, you know, some agricultural ground, maybe even some pivots around it. And I think a lot of it comes back to, I've got a little bit of a nomadic soul and, um, I love to be able to see things. (laughs) So the, the more territory I can see from where I'm at, um, the more I probably enjoy the hunt. And uh, I've just really learned to appreciate those parts of the world or the whitetail range. And, you know, there's some, there's some really, really good whitetail opportunities in those states that are probably often overlooked. Um, so I probably should be careful in saying that. But uh, I, I hope that everybody gets the opportunity to get out and, and hunt some whitetails in, in that open country because it's pretty unique. My daughter lived in North Dakota and, and of course, you know, the, the, the abundance of waterfowl. And that's how they, they went out there. But... You know, she would yep. tell me that, uh, and I think it's because of the low population. And like you said, a lot of open, um, not a lot of pressure, but they saw huge mm-hmm. whitetails. 
at that, you know, that yeah. just, but I'll tell you what I always thought was a sleeper state and I never got to hunt it. I thought Nebraska was a bit, would be yes. a great state to hunt. Yes. Yeah. Nebraska has produced some, some unbelievable whitetails over the years. Actually, we just covered one the other day uh, here at North American Whitetail in our new breaking news bucks platform digitally. Um, just an outstanding non-typical that was taken last year by a guy that uh, really was just just stepping onto the farm for one of the first times, um, new lease opportunity, and it's it's a great state, and there's over-the-counter options there, so people don't have to necessarily draw um, to go bow hunt it specifically, but um, there are a few more limitations with the rifle depending on where you're at regionally within the state, but real real good opportunity and a lot of public ground in the state of Nebraska for exactly, folks that yeah. you know, want to travel in from out of state. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's one that also gets overlooked a lot of times um, as a producer, you know, true um, magnum quality whitetails and, and then just also in regards to opportunity for the whitetail deer hunter. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot on this one. It, it What is one of your favorite <laughs> duck calls that you and your brother like to use? <laughs> Would it be a yeah. would it be something called the nose dive? <laughs> the nose dive, hands down. Yeah, All right, I, man. I definitely wanted in that green and orange color scheme too, man. I, <laughs> I think that was brilliant on your end. Um, but no, my my I had I had the opportunity. You sent one to me here this last year, and I had the opportunity to run it. And I've got a a brother that just graduated high school here this this weekend. I see that. I got to go to his graduation. And, yeah, yeah, man, he's he's become quite the waterfowl hunter and uh, lives in a great area. He's down, you know, uh, around the Boonville, Missouri area, right on the Missouri River, which, you know, when I went to college, I spent a lot of time in that area, goose hunting and duck hunting. And, um, you know, so he, he's on it full swing and, and I was looking for Christmas present ideas and uh, sitting here one day blowing on, on the nosedive as I was working through, I, I, I you know, don't tell everybody this but i had a team's call that i was participating in that may have been on mute <laughs> as i was as i was running my call and it just a light bulb moment came i said oh i know exactly what i need to get houston for for christmas and uh, so yes the nose dive hands down i appreciate down. that well i'll tell you what you tell your brother because of your busy schedule make sure he has my phone number because i'd be more than happy to hunt with him if you can't make it if he's got a hot spot you know, i always <laughs> said if you have birds i will travel <laughs> there you go well he's got one man it, him and all his buddies were giving me the rails on sunday and saying yeah we thought you were going to try to make it down in december i said man i was going to and just got caught up at home, and they said, well, you better make sure you get your butt down here. So I might I might have to send in a, a pinch hitter. I'll there, send old George Lynch down there. There you go. Hey, can you tell me what's in what's in store for this following year, next hunting season for, for Laden Forest with uh, whitetails and waterfowl? What, what's what's on the schedule? For sure. Yeah, man, I would love to. Um, well, I'll tell you, whitetail will start pretty early. Um, and we're actually Haynes, Haynes, my co-host on the show and, you know, our, our editor in chief that I work with, you know, daily, um, he's getting married the first week of September to a beautiful girl, Maddie, uh, there in his, his home state of North Carolina. And, and, um, it's, it must say a lot about how much he loves that girl because he's getting married the opening weekend of deer season. No way. That that should Um, be a cardinal sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're we're gonna give him we're gonna give him um, you know a little bit of uh, heckling over that. He's already had some, but uh, we're gonna make sure we're at his wedding opening weekend there and, and 
spending time with him the first week of September. And so we're going to try to get in a couple deer hunts early, maybe late August. And there's uh, you know a few opportunities or areas that you can do that here in the whitetail range. One being north of the border in Canada, uh, which I've not hunted for whitetail deer in Canada yet. So I've been talking with a couple friends up in Alberta, and I'm looking at the potential of trying to land up in Alberta um, the last part of August there. And um, once we get back, we'll probably try to. I've got a, a really neat place out in southwestern North Dakota, and I drew their tag this year. Um, so I'm excited about that one. Um, and then the rest of it, a little up in the air. Uh, I've got a, I've got an appointment to hunt with Jim Coon out at the Roost Lodge, a good buddy of mine in Nebraska, um, north central Nebraska, talking to that state that's a little bit of a sleeper. Uh, yeah. But, man, I have got five points in Iowa, and I'm going to put in for that draw today. And then I'm due to draw a rifle tag in South Dakota. If I get fortunate this year, I've, I've missed it the last couple of years, which probably speaks to the amount of non-resident hunters they've had coming into the state. Um, but I hope to draw that. And man, I, I'm just kind of trying. The rest of it's kind of dependent on whether I draw that Iowa tag and and what's going on. Um, Kansas would be another one that I didn't draw that state last year for the first time in about five years. But they had a they had a 27% increase in non-resident applicants last year, mm. um, which explains why I probably didn't draw that um, that tag. So I'm hoping to draw that this year. But the, I'd say the, the real, you know, pending item is whether or not I draw that that coveted um, Iowa archery tag this year. So I, You probably I'm don't want to mention what hoping, zone you're hoping. going for, do you? You probably don't want to mention to everybody because well, you don't want everybody applying for that know, zone. I don't mind yet. I don't mind that at all. Um, I have hunted uh, right there kind of on the border of five and six the, the last few years. I've got some family that, that lives uh, right there on the border. And um, when I've drawn that tag in the past, but the last couple of times I drew it, I drew a late season muzzleloader. So I, I knew I wanted to hunt that November time frame with my bow. And uh, the next time I drew the tag, and so I've been applying, 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 and, and I've, not, I've applied for both of those actually and have not drawn either. Um, when I thought I could, so I, I'm really contemplating. I've had some, some uh, great invites from folks like you know yourself and and, um, and my family, and then another gentleman that I know over in the southeast corner, and and then I've got a good friend from high school that has moved up to the Pella area, which would be a different zone. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm I'm really I need to sit down and really weigh out all my options. I feel like I'm gonna hurt somebody's feelings if I put in <laughs> one zone over the other, but. But uh, I guess that's a it, that goes back to having a really good problems. But that's um, a good problem I'm to have. Buddy. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. Oh man, it it really is. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to Iowa probably the most. And waterfowl wise, um, I've swore up and down if I make it to the the um, the plain states, whether it be North Dakota or, or Nebraska, uh, I've not done much waterfowl hunting in um, if at all actually in either one of those states or South Dakota, which is an application process now, but. Um, I would really, really like to hunt, you know, the pothole region uh, for some waterfowl. And I've, I've had a couple of invites to come up into the Montana area again and, and do some hunting there. And um, I've got some buddies out in Oregon uh, that would it sure would be a, a real privilege to get to hunt the West Coast a little bit too, uh, if possible. Just some unique areas that, you know, a, a farm boy from Northeast Missouri probably wouldn't always have the opportunity to go hunt. So I, I've got big plans for the fall. I'm, I'm hoping I can make them all work without frustrating my wife Jordan too much. Well, you know, a state that I've been had invites, and I've been out to Utah, and Utah was awesome with the ducks and everything. But uh, Idaho is a sleeper, you know, which is a sleeper of whitetails yep. too, I hear. But it's good waterfowl. But 
I always wanted to go to Montana and I've got a friend who hunts there and he said, dude, the duck hunting is, is really good. I got a friend who hunts waterfowl in Wyoming and uh, they shoot the giant honkers yep. and a lot of ducks, good late season hunting. Um, you know, both those would be big. North Dakota was uh, always the, the hot spot. And when my daughter lived out there, I always called it the, the little Canada. It's just, if you ever been to Canada, yep. it's just a different, it's a different level of the mounts that you see. But, you know, COVID kind of put a hurt on North Dakota because uh, of the guys that weren't traveling yeah. to Canada were, were all traveling to North Dakota. And, and my friends who hunt yep. their religious every year said that the influx of hunters has just been, you know, trying. It used to be easy to get on property. Now it's pretty tough with the amount of people just because. Exactly. So, well, buddy. Yep. Oh, uh-huh. is there anything else you'd like to share? Man, I, no, I would just tell you thank you for having me. And, um, you know, it's always fun to have a conversation that's easy. And I probably talked to everybody's ear off or your ear off here. And, um, but I, I enjoy talking with you. Every time you and I get around each other since meeting at Rogers last year, we just we have a conversation that, you know, it, it seems like it's it's very short, but it, it ends up being pretty long. And I'm um, just excited to see what you're doing here. And I know, you know, you've been working with Dan quite a bit there. Um in, in the central Iowa radio market and his new platform. And just, you know, I'm, I'm excited. This is a, a pretty neat age for, um, for hunters and fishermen and outdoorsmen all in one when it comes to, you know, access to content from authorities like yourself and, and Dan and, and the whole crew that you guys have been working up, uh, working with up there where we can really come together as a community and, um, you know, so it, it excites me to see what you guys are doing and now to, you know, be a, just a little part of it. Um, I, I thank you and I thank you for what you guys are doing to, to create more content, and to, to, you know, grow that, that fellowship and community out there in the outdoors. So, um, you know, big, big kudos to you and, and your whole crew and Diane, I know Diane's a big part of that as well. And, um, everything that you guys have got going on. I just can't thank you enough for what you're doing for us as hunters and uh, fishermen out there in the outdoors here in the Midwest. Well, I appreciate your time. And Diane, she appreciates everything she learned. She'll tell you she learned from me. So, you know, you see, if you watched the last couple of years, she's been shooting some big bucks. And, you know, she likes to go to the shows. Yes, and she she, she tells everybody, this one is my smallest buck. And, of course, all the guys, you know, oh, well, well they don't realize she's only killed two of them. But, you know, I'm kind of like, hey, 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 I was in the blind, too, you know. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? I found out we went well, to the... We went to a turkey, the, the NWTF, and I had two of the top turkey guys, and it's a crowd. It's a great show, but we had two of the top guys in our booth, and you know we sold the waterfall calls just went sold great. Turkey was it was pretty tough. We go to, of course, I didn't, I wasn't able to go to the Iowa Deer Classic, which I was really sucked because we were looking forward to that one, and and um, I went to the Illinois Deer Classic and. She just killed it selling turkey calls. And, tur- and every time I'd leave and come back, there'd be these guys standing there, and she'd be giving her speech word for word to Bayham on her sales pitch. And it worked. So I give her kudos yeah. for that. She's a good partner to have. Well, I appreciate your time, buddy. And, and I wish you safety this year. wish you, uh, you have a blessed season. I wish you, you and your family are blessed. And, and uh, thank you for taking the time. And Folks, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach out and and check it out on the George Lynch Hunting Podcast. you like it, please subscribe. If you don't like it, please subscribe. Um, We're doing our best to try to build a platform just like 
Layden said, we're, we're trying to get the best content we can out there to educate. Uh, and that's what it's about. You know, we will put a little entertainment in there, but it's really my purpose and, and goal in life is trying to educate those who are following in the footsteps. So we appreciate your time. Remember to check out Dan Young. It's the Outdoor Call Radio Wait. Show. Alexa. Give me the outdoor call radio show. <laughs> so anyway, stay tuned. And, and we're on Wednesdays. I, I'm doing the uh, it's Waterfowl Whitetail Wednesday. And Dan is letting me do on Waterfowl and Whitetail both. And uh, check it out. There's, he's got a great group of guys all through, uh, is it seven days or five days? All week. All week long. He's got guys. It's looped. It's a loop deal. So if you miss mine, I think after us is the Backwoods Life and then the Keystone. So make sure you check that out as well. So anyway, buddy, I appreciate your time. Oh, man, thank you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Remember to always hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide.